maybe not a hundred percent. I think well, yeah. I think we could, I, I think we have to leave room for the possibility that we have we we got things wrong at times. And so you use science then to confirm whether you got it right or not? No, because I, I use science in the same way that scientists do, because science gets it wrong at times too. So right. uh, you have to you have to leave that general. That's just general. David Russell, are you um yeah. are you open to updating I'm I'm just getting back. I had some things I had to do, so apologies if you mentioned this. Yeah, you were wrong about that. By the updating way. your no. idea that uh, that there is no God, because absolutely not. Because I I still think. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. no I still think I still think there's plenty of evidence for God, and I still believe that. Uh, I trust I trust in that. Like I don't know if you missed the first part. I said it comes down to to what you put your trust in. Well, right, but this is right? actually okay. And so I just want to make this point of a clarification. Question. So, okay, I'm trying so to make this point for clarification on the discussion because it seems yeah, like we're I get just that. around the bush. So, so let me follow that up just one more round. Then, so you mentioned that science um, has been wrong about theories. That it says, "Oh, there's more to the yeah. story." I agree with every bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, I think that's actually, I think that's actually a big benefit of of science is that science has a a way uh, to update its its prior claims. Right now, uh, so then what do you do with Christianity? So you're not open to updating your idea that there's not a God. I think the skeptics on here have all said, yes, we are. You, you got to get to, you know, you got to find something convincing and we're not yet convinced. Yeah. And I'm saying the same but, thing. Oh, so you are open. Absolutely. If, you, if, 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 if some skeptic, Andrew, if some skeptic came to me and, and showed me that uh, there is a, a body in the tomb and it was Jesus. And I'm using those extreme examples, so don't go off the rails here. Uh, uh, if someone oh, showed no, me that Jesus no, never, never, it, Jesus never rose from the dead, then I would be forced, I, I think, in my opinion, to accept that evidence. But there, and there's several things as a theist that I've updated my view on. Like I, I came from a very charismatic background that believes speaking in tongues and doing all these crazy miracles and stuff. And I'm not saying all miracles are crazy. Don't again, don't go off the rails. And this is just generality here. But uh, but no, no, like I don't believe in speaking in tongues now. Okay, but did you did you update that view based on science and uh, right? You updated it based. I I based it off of well, I mean, it depends on you. You call his the historical method a soft science. Right. So, like, I would say that it was the historical mess me method like that ultimately convinced me that tongues speaking in tongues wasn't something that the church I was involved with was uh, promoting. Right. So I'm just trying to figure out how you measure your truth from God, what you measure that against. Because when when scientists speak, I measure that against other scientists and what we've learned so far. I, I don't open up a Bible and measure it to see if that stacks up with the Word of God. Well, uh, like, now, again, but, but, I think now, this is something we've established, that there's a general epistemology, too, that we can all come to know. I mean, this has been reiterated over and over Right, again, but we're, right? we're talking about religious things now, where you have a God epistemology uh, in some spiritual-slash-religious truth, and you're saying, well, you might update that, uh, and so you care about the science— are you actually taking a spiritual truth and comparing it to the science to see what science says? Because that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Um, 
I'm using here. every tool. I'm using every tool that I believe God has given me, right? I mean, okay. so, so would you, right? Because I'm the one who kind of introduced this topic. And what I meant was this. You're like, okay, this, the scenario was this. Uh, someone comes to me and says, I feel like I'm a man trapped, trapped in a woman's body. And I recognize okay. I'm not, lest I get labeled as being transphobic or hateful, I'm not. What I'm saying is this. How do I determine how to proceed with this information? Do I go with what the secular world says is the best treatment or otherwise? That's that's pretty much what, what I what was, that's what I meant. When no I, one on this panel is I wanna, going to accuse I you hear, of that in this I wanna, conversation. Yeah, but I, I want to hear what Dale has to say too, because uh, yeah. he's the other Christian here. I wanted him to pipe in and right. just give us and a for the For the here. record, Mac, that's what I thought you meant. And when you when someone says, that sort of thing, you wouldn't point to science. You would point to God made him male and female. That's right. Exactly. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. Okay. That's kind of what I said. What, what are you going to come down to? What, it's, what are you going to trust? You're going to trust this or that? Right. But um, uh, I mean, I let's let's clear out the pretense that we're going to trust science over God. If you think that God has spoken, you're, you're going to trust God. So I want to know how God uh, I, I, spoke goodness. on this. Okay. Let 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 Dale let Dale chime in here first. Yeah, Dale, 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 Dale. Uh, yeah, it's impossible to. I just sit back and and listen. But, uh, um, it's not okay. impossible, Dale. We do it all the time. You can do it too. I, I don't like it. I prefer to listen. You learn more that way. So, um, but yeah. So I agree. With David Russell is absolutely right. And same with Mac Attack that. It doesn't matter where your source of warrant is, whether it's uh, quote unquote from a spiritual source or from science. Um, there is no privilege. Warrant is warrant wherever you get it. If you've got warrant, and David Johnson, your example was you had it in the 100% degree, you've got knowledge. Uh, it would be stupid to be open, oh, but science, which doesn't provide us inherently, doesn't give us 100% degree of warrant because of the limitations of the method itself. Um, you know, it's at most, you know, well, Darren say, what is it? 99.999. I, I was taken, taken to task for that. Automatically, the 100% degree of warrant will outweigh even 99.9999% from, from science. And I go with the 100% every time. It would be stupid to be open to the fact if you've got 100% knowledge that one plus one equals two, it's dumb to be like, Oh, but maybe science might say that one plus one equals five or something like that in, in the, the same sense. Uh, when you've got a 100% degree of knowledge, you've got knowledge. There's nothing more to be done. Um, where it gets more complicated is when, okay, when you don't have a 100% degree of warrant on either side. And that's when you need to compare. And that's what I use Bayes' theorem for, Bayes-ish for, for Andrew's sake, theorem for, right? Where I come up with an overall cumulative probability on the basis of my subjective um, to decide it. And maybe science could sometimes outweigh my knowledge from a spiritual source or vice versa. It's, it's a two-way street. And what I'm getting the sense from you, David Johnson, is that you're kind of uh, wanting us to privilege a, a scientism point of view. It's No, science is a one-way street. Only the discipline of science will form, can inform other areas of knowledge or disciplines, sources of knowledge. It's not, it, other sources of knowledge can't be used to inform and correct 
knowledge that we get from science. No, that's not that's not it. I'm not speaking from a scientism position. I'm speaking from a position of having been a former Christian and understanding the Christian's perspective that when you have a clear uh, in your mind, what is a clear uh, revelation from God, you don't then go to science to double check and see if God is right. Yeah, yeah you, you you go with the revelation that you got from God. That's that's what I'm trying to say, and I don't understand any pushback on that from a Christian because every Christian I know would agree with that. For sure, if, if God says it, and that and you have warrant to believe that God said it, you're not looking at the science book to double check it. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you remember me? I, I'm the one that goes on David Smalley's show. And I remember you. This is this is why I'm, I'm trying to. Just, if, if I'm trying to get to this very clear and obvious statement. But this is epistemologically, this is important because this means that you are using sometimes in matters that I wouldn't consider religious a religious tool that I don't have access to, and therefore it draws a conclusion. Uh, where there is an uncrossable gulf. I can't meet you there because you are seeing the world through an entirely different lens that I don't see it. David, I've, I've got to ask a question for Dell Answers. Can we agree, um, I, I don't know if we can, can we agree uh, among this group of us that the Bible has made claims about science that were in fact factually false? And if we can't, if we can have that agreement, to what extent can a Christian be 100% uh, warranted in drawing any science conclusion from the Bible? Or any other conclusion for that matter, but sure. Well, we're talking about science, so I'm right. Trying, I'm but trying. I mean, if it can be wrong about science, it can be wrong about diet, you know? Well, <laughs> Right, and, and it could be, can... be wrong about the configuration of the stars. It could be wrong about any number of things. My point is, I think that my point is that as far as it's wrong to claim that the Bible gives 100% more about anything, and I'm wondering if we can come to that agreement because I don't think Dale is a is a is a literalist. Maybe Dale, I'm not trying to speak for you, oh, so I'm yeah, curious so... what. Yeah, so, so on that question, yeah, so I'm, I'm a biblical errantist. I, I don't believe in biblical inerrancy, but that's a separate question. So David's question was giving me a hypothetical scenario where I did, in fact, have 100% warrant. I don't think we could ever get 100% warrant uh, on specifically uh, scientific truths from reading the Bible. Um, there are, in my opinion, probably errors in it, and this will always give some measure of doubt. Um, now, in terms of how I assess various errors, it's based on the significances in, in terms of causing undue confusion. Um, so that's how I sort of assess the, the merits of it. So if, if there's an error that's related to moral lives, that's very significant in terms of potentially disproving that Christianity is true. Whereas something like mere scientific truths, like how many stars there are or something like that. Or how many genders just, there are. Or how many genders there, how many, yeah, how, how many genders there are, if it was, the problem is that's sort of wrapped up with theological, important theological doctrines as well. So it, it would be more important than just number of stars. 
um, but pretending that was just a scientific description and it had no theological import, then yeah, like stuff like that would be a lot less significant if they were heirs in terms of disproving Christianity. And therefore, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily just follow what the, the Bible says in terms of scientific truth over science. I think most of the time, modern scientific methodologies would outweigh the reading the Bible method. Uh, sure. Those. So then, given given that that's the, the case, and I know you weren't an inerrantist, so I wasn't trying to hang that on you. Um, given given that it's the case that the that the Bible can have science errors and maybe other errors too, it may, may indeed have moral errors. Let's just, but we don't need to go there. So let's now that we've acknowledged that it does have errors, and because it claims that there are. Uh, two genders. He made them, male and female, right? Okay. Because we know that it can have errors, why would we? Why would we not use a reproducible method uh, like like science and the ability to evaluate DNA sequences for X and Y chromosomes or XX chromosomes or any chromosome pairing, whatever they are? Um, why would we? Why would we ever privilege the Bible uh, over over a method of comparison where we can actually do the work? Why? Why would I ever care about thus saith the Lord um, well, when when we have a, a better experimental method? Well, so in terms of the two genders thing specifically, as I said, in the Bible, it's it's not just reported as a scientific fact; it is wrapped up with a theological import, even possibly essential theological import, but it's, so I would say I, at the very least, let's pretend that I would say 95% certain that that truth, God created Adam and Eve as male and female, has to be true, else Christianity is probably false or something like that. So um, this this is this puts us at a real disadvantage, Dale, because we never know when a Christian is going to come up and throw that theological grenade. Uh, in something that we thought was, you know, we were talking about mundane. So, for instance, um, you know, the configuration of a household, a husband, a wife, head of the house, um, that sort of thing, you know, and we're just trying to figure out what's what's the best household structure uh, for, you know, maybe us. And maybe the best household structure is a lesbian couple adopting a kid and sharing things equally with no head of the house. And then you say, ah, but I've got this theological uh, uh, understanding that uh, households are male and female and the man is the head of the house. You you can throw that theological grenade into anything, and this is how Christians tend to use it uh, in, in society, uh, in politics, in every, it, there's a theological grenade. Uh, we're not we're not debating abortion and whether it's okay or not, or if they're, you know, what uh, solutions are good for uh, mothers in crisis. We're, it's a, it becomes a theological grenade. Boom! God said you can't do it. Uh, and ne you ne the next thing we know, we're not having a, a mundane discussion anymore. We're having a theological a split theological discussion with people who don't share that theology. And so all of a sudden, it becomes very important to us at random times in our lives that we understand these spiritual truths that you say that we can't understand. I just don't, yeah, it, 
that's I don't see the problem with that uh, unless perhaps you're getting into the political debate where the state well, is. Well, no, it's, I'm just I'm trying to explain the disadvantage that we feel like we're in when Christians are about because no matter what we're doing or proposing. Uh, you know, we we think that we're minding our business, and so we have a polyamorous relationship. Um, but maybe you're a hotel owner, or uh, maybe you're my boss, uh, uh, interviewing me for a job, uh, and discover that I uh, have a polyamorous relationship. Uh, boom! Theological grenade. Uh, well, then I don't need to serve you or uh, do such because you know my conscience says, and my conscience is uh, ordered by this these theological spiritual truths. We we can we're always subject to this sneak attack from Christians with their theological grenades, and it doesn't just stay in the context of religion. It it seeps into lives, education everything. There's this theological grenade that we're having to deal with, and so we are having to deal with your spiritual epistemology, you know, whether whether we want to or not. David, I don't think Sorry, I I'm, getting, I'm getting a message from David Russell. Um, I don't know how to respond to it. But... Uh, click, the, click the chat button that's next to the red stop button. Uh, top, uh, uh, David Russell, are you yeah, say what you want to say. Maybe I, I just see B right. He says B right back. Okay. Back was, was trying to say something. Yeah. yeah go ahead. I, I was trying to say that I don't think that 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 uh, accusation, for lack of a better term, like Christian saying that we're trying to legislate uh, uh, consciences for everyone else. I don't think that's fair because if someone who did things that you thought were immoral came up to you and said, "I want you to hire me." So when you see someone who like abuses children, it's like, okay, can can you hire me as a nanny? You wouldn't be like, okay, because well, you have all the qualifications. Um, right. Oh, we're using, we're using completely oh, mundane oh, reasoning for why we do it. So but, epistemologically speaking, I'm I'm just talking about the underlying epistemology. We're having a mundane epistemological conversation about whether I, as an axe murderer, should be a babysitter. Okay, we could that that's a conversation that I know how to have. Okay. But if if you're saying, oh, you're an axe murderer, but you're gay, and the Bible says this about gay, so no, I'm not going to hire you. Now that's a theological grenade. Well, I, it, I don't think I've ever encountered or even seen where someone says, Okay, like in I, I always hear about it, but like people are saying, Okay, someone who's gay, I've never hired I know the law says you can't discriminate based on uh, sexual orientation but i've never heard of a christian actually uh being like what you just described i, I well, let me give you let me give you an example my dad uh a devout southern baptist just told my great niece that she could no longer visit a lesbian couple in the neighborhood that she lives in because they were lesbian they would corrupt her, and I would say that's wrong. And and wow. I agree. Yeah, right, but that's that's the that's what we're navigating, though. But, uh, yeah, that's Mac. what we're navigating. But like, it sounds like you're saying that all Christians subscribe to these same. I, I'm not, but fundamentalist, uh, heavily fundamentalist Christians in America do behave that way. 
<laughs> they they yeah. they absolutely do behave that way, Mac. This is not a straw well, man. Of course, of course they, the, there are people who behave any matter of ways. But what what we are debating here is epistemology, like what's actually what exactly. Is it? Yes. And the reason the reason it becomes bad, Mac, is because when those behaviors happen, we have no means of having a conversation and negotiation about it because it becomes God said. I'm saying I'm 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 literally on your side on this issue, and I'm saying there is a means to 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 go to a Christian who does things that are not biblical and point them in the right direction. So for someone who's a fundamentalist, and it's good that you recognize that they're a fundamentalist, because then you know that's not the mainstream view. So so for someone who says, okay, the Bible is evil because evil because the Bible was used to justify slavery. I, I, think, I think fundamentalism is the predominant view, at least in the United States. So uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is the second largest denomination in the United States, second only to the Catholic Church. Now, while it's true the Catholic Church holds a wide variety of views, there's certainly, a, there's certainly a good deal of fundamentalism there. And there's no doubt that, uh, that the Southern Baptist Convention is a fundamentalist organization. So I think in the U.S. Big. at least, um, fundamentalism is the predominant view. But I'm I disagree with that because, because the president is a Roman Catholic, and I wouldn't think that he's a fun like. Like he's most not the majority, he's one person. I was. I, was I think the majority about, of Catholics fit into his mold, but I could be. I mean, I could be wrong. Well, but it wouldn't take the majority of Catholics because the second largest denomination is is the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. I mean, uh, and Trump was Trump was a fundamentalist, and uh, he received oh, the highest number of votes. Trump. for any person president who lost. I mean, it's it's huge, and you sh and it can't be. Um, but there are people but, who aren't. You, know, you can't ignore that. Voted for Trump. Like, let's just ask, right. let's, let's ask a question. Let's pretend you're right, Johnson. and let's, let's just say that the predominant view is not fundamentalism. It doesn't. It doesn't actually matter whether it's fifty-one percent or forty-nine percent or thirty-nine percent. The point is that fundamentalism is is a large segment of the population, and that's important in this conversation. Right. I don't think we'd be having the same conversation next week when we have two Europeans. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they, they yeah. understand their experience of Christianity is so different uh, well, from can. ours. That's what I'm saying. That's the entire topic, that there is something that is true. That's what epistemology is, that there's something that is true and there's something that's not true. And if we go by like maj majority or popularity contests, um, I, I I feel like I understand what you're saying about fundamentalism in America and how it can it can skew uh, what Christianity actually is or what it means. But what what I'm arguing is that it shouldn't like you guys are really smart and you should be able to see how this isn't representative. Right, but it, it's but smart doesn't. It, it's it's represent yeah it's representative where we are, and you know the the thing that would sum it up the epistemology of the Christians, of most of the Christians that I grew up with would be God said it, I believe it, and that ought to settle it. That's a, that's an epistemo, epistemological statement, right? It's, this is the word of God. I believe this is the word of God. We have nothing else to talk about. Um, and I, I think that this is a more common idea than you're giving it credit for, and Christians use it 
uh, certain Christians use it in every walk of their life. If if they believe that um, you know God does not want them to you know tolerate uh, sin in some way, and you know they have a business, um, you know, say something like a hotel, and a gay couple uh, wants to come in. You know, they 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 do believe that they could maybe uh, do something about it. We have anti-sodomy laws. Uh, there are states that still have those on the books. They can't be enforced. But the fact that they're there tells you where we came from. Uh, right. Because God said it, I believe it, and that, that ought to settle it. But I'm and saying so, that that's, that's, that's not biblical epistemology. What I'm saying is that that's, humans, that's human nature because I could make the same argument about what's happening in China with with how they're persecuting Christians, and, and, and that's because they're not following what the secular state says is right. And so my, my understanding, my, my argument is that you can make the, I can make the exact same argument you're making, but it just wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be valid because it's just, it doesn't get us anywhere. I'm, I'm a little lost. Can you tell me what argument you well, think uh, the skeptics are making? Because I actually agree that um, we have epistemological tools at our disposal to be able to determine uh, what people, uh, what things set people on their best path, uh, the, uh, letting them have uh, self-will, letting them be self-directed, giving them access to good health care, giving them access to food and water and shelter, giving them access to good education. Uh, you know, these are things that, uh, that we can, that we can, Definitely track and see and who benefits and who doesn't. So after you answer this, Mac, uh, we're going to go to Dale because Dale has been trying to say something for a while, yeah. oh, and then we're going to wrap up. We have to wrap. We are yeah. going to wrap. Hey, up. can I just ask this one question before, and and both Theus can give a short answer, and, and Dale can finish with what he was going to say. Uh, Darren said, "I have hit my hard stop, so have fun, all." I'm still curious why we should care what the Bible says. So if I get that answered after I leave, I'll have something to look forward to. So let's give them something to look forward to. Uh, theists? What? The question is, why should I care what the Bible says? Yes. Huh. Well, my immediate, like, the thing that first came into my, my mind is, you're, like, like, by nature, you're not obligated to care. What I'm saying is that, okay, you're, you're asking these questions about God and saying, okay, God has not really shown up. And if you want me to believe in God, present evidence. And what I would say is, well, the experience of going to the Grand Canyon or the experience of experiencing God is you read the Bible. And from there, you'll be able to know more about this God, that he's a God of justice, all truth, all these attributes. And from there, we can have a million debates about why you should care. I mean, ultimately... I don't think you're actually wired naturally as a person to care because you're indirect, like you want to do what you want to do with, with your life. So I think that someone who's committed to truth should care about the Bible because it, contra it contains truth about who God is and, and what his goal and purpose for this world is. So that's my short answer. All right, Dale. Um, yeah, so just in a nutshell then, why should we care about what the Bible says? Because the Bible is provably uh, the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, and I can prove it. I, I know that this, I haven't demonstrated on this show, that wasn't the topic of the show, I have done it in 
uh, part and in full in other shows that I've done. And I guarantee you I could do it. I can lay out all those steps and be rigorous and demonstrate um, logically that the Bi- that Christianity is true and that the Bible is the inspired word of God. So that's why you should care about it, because if it's God's inspired word to mankind telling us what uh, that we're going to be damned unless we meet certain requirements and achieve salvation, that's that's pretty important. Um, as to what my point was back I, I think i've mostly forgot everything because so much stuff comes up and everything but uh yeah i was just gonna ask you david j I, I remember this part is you made an objection that hey we you're privileging your theological knowledge and that's something that i don't have access to so it's it's not fair for you to use that knowledge to make uh, decisions that will impact on me but that's just the same with any field we always have knowledge People, people have knowledge that masks um, are good for you with this COVID thing, and there are people that don't share that knowledge, but yet you're, in light of your scientific knowledge or medical knowledge on that front, you're saying, no, you've got to play by my rules. So, so yeah, I, I just want to say, like, why do, you, why do you see an issue? If somebody has knowledge, regardless of the source, why can't they use that? Um, you're not my president. You're not my governor. You're not my mother. Uh, you're not my wife. Uh, so all of these all of these authorities in my life can speak into my life about things that I should do. But when you say you've got some privileged information from God, uh, I'm gonna need to see some ID. Um, you don't you don't have a right to speak that into my life. And so if you uh, somehow worm your way into a position of power, so that you can then use that theological grenade, uh, then yes, it puts me at a disadvantage uh, because I, I don't operate under your uh, theological system and your epistemology then uh, becomes of vital importance for me because you're making decisions based on a realm that you can see and that's supposedly there and that I can't access. And I just have to take your word for it. Okay, thanks. Okay, let's start. Let's start to wrap. Um, so uh, we lost Darren uh, Brian with an uh, Y. Are you still there? No. You. No, they're all gone. It's just the pain. Dang it! Dang it! Because <laughs> uh, I, I would have uh, loved to have had um, uh, something from uh, him at the end here. Um, because he's a very good listener, uh, but we'll we'll have him um, we'll have him in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I'm going to I guess I'm going to start since I started before. Uh, Russell, you'll wrap up, and uh, so it'll be me, uh, Dale, Andrew, Darren, Russell. Uh, so put your thoughts together, uh, people. Thank you, uh, panel. There's a there's a reason this discussion was allowed to go as long as it has um it's because it was a damn good discussion uh and i think that everybody would agree except for dale who would say it's a darn good discussion uh so um i appreciate uh that i don't know that i'm much closer to my goals but i can begin to see some of where it breaks down 
unfortunately, it breaks down in all the places where I expected it to break down. Um, and that that's not that's not good because when it breaks down in those places, I don't see any way forward. I don't see a path through. And so we've got a, a couple more shows on this and maybe there is one. Um, we still haven't uh, had the skeptic um, lay out a a straightforward path from a thing that you don't know to gaining enough knowledge so that you feel like you know it. And I, I want someone on both sides to show their work on that. And I'll, I'll push for that a little bit next week. Uh, but what I do know is that we had some conversation about starting points. And I, I think that's really important. Uh, that may be more important than I um, thought when coming into this conversation, because I mean, the first uh, round of discussions we had, we were bogged down on starting points and presuppositions. Um, and the place, the, the part that presuppositional thinking plays in epistemology, it feels to me, again, I, I could be wrong, it feels to me like there's more presuppositional thinking required for the Christian um, on, this, on this count. We both presuppose the laws of logic, okay? Grant that. But from there, I don't really have a lot of presuppositions that I need to then follow, to, to chase knowledge to a place where I feel like I've captured it. And it seems like if I'm if I'm working it with a Christian, there's going to be a point where the the chase has to stop, and I've got to go over here and read the Bible, uh, and or you know confirm that God exists, and then go back to to finding knowledge that way. And I, I think I think that is a showstopper uh, when it comes to Christians and non Christians trying to gain knowledge on important questions. The, the other thing that I found interesting is what I call the theological grenade. You think that you're having a, a search for knowledge, and you have a Christian and non-Christian, they're talking about a thing, and they're, they're trying to find answers as they debate and so forth. But at some point in the conversation, a you know, given a long enough conversation between an atheist and a Christian, a theological grenade is going to come out there. And at some point, this is going to become a matter of uh, theological worldview and God said and um, the, the spirit. And that's um, we'll call that uh, David's razor. Um, given a long enough conversation uh, with a Christian, you're going to get a theological grenade. And epistemologically, you can be sharing the same tools uh, for a while until they throw in a tool that you don't have. I, I think it's almost impossible to have a conversation uh, over a long enough period of time without a Christian doing that. That is, a, that is a deal breaker. That's the end of the conversation for me because I don't have that tool. The moment that grenade comes out, I surrender. I got nothing for you uh, at that point. We are, we are now talking Latin versus French. Um, actually, that's, those probably aren't all that different. We're now talking Latin versus pig Latin. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a it's a whole different thing at that point. It's a conversation ender. Um, we are uh, talking about revelation. We had a little bit of conversation. I hope to have more of that next week. Revelation when we when we get to how we know things, and we have conflations like um, 
science texts, you know, being uh, expert information on science and the Bible being expert uh, information on spiritual matters. And I do not see that comparison. I do not see any way that the Bible becomes an expert uh, on spiritual matters. I don't see how anyone, frankly, could become an expert on spiritual matters and how we would uh, label one book as that over another. I The conversation is over uh, when, when I'm talking about uh, to a Christian and then the Bible comes up as uh, as a part of necessary revelation for the conversation. I'm done. I surrender. I can't I can't argue in that field. Granted, I probably know the Bible better than you do. But as far as epistemo epistemology is concerned, uh, you're you're now deriving your truth from a source that I don't think is reliable. And so I think for me, what I have found uh, throughout uh, this this very conversation, is while we can have some good civil conversation about a lot of these things, there are three or four dead-end deal-breakers uh, that just happen along the way uh, where our epistemologies are not comparable. And I don't see a bridge uh, to, to, to get there together. Uh, that's disheartening to me. And uh, I'll leave it at that, uh, Mr. Glover. <laughs> The gloves are off, my friend. Uh, so I respond to you, or I'm giving a closing? You're giving your closing. That's that's what I have to say. You can respond to me if you want to, but that's a waste of your clothes. All right. Well, um, so, so, yeah, I think we began this conversation. Um, I gave my opening with kind of like a general lay of the land of, of the field of epistemology and philosophy. This, uh, most of what I said is, is from secular philosophy. Um, secular philosophers agree with these positions. They don't. They aren't necessarily Christians and that sort of thing. So, we have a lot of tools and foundations that are common to atheist, Christian, and wh whoever else that we can utilize to find common ground and then build upon those. We have the laws of logic that we can, you know, for, build upon any common foundations we have and then reason together. Um, I think that I, I disagree with David Johnson's overall conclusion. It, it was one that he had coming in that we would just Christians and atheists have these totally separate epistemology, epistemological systems. And no, we, we all have one system, the same God overall. And we all have an equal opportunity to all tools, even the spiritual ones. You guys have an equal opportunity by my real secret notion to the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, God is the God of, of everyone and that sort of thing. So I, I don't see that there's these radically mutually exclusive systems. I, I think that everyone has the same sets of tools and systems. We're all in the same boat. Um, but pe people through their own free will don't want to take advantage of, of certain resources or be open to them and that sort of thing. We've seen a lot where we have difference of opinions, where we have different knowledge bases and, and that sort of thing. But I mean, that's that's the same with any other field, right? That's where we, okay, have, we have our methodology of how we go about it, and we reason together and, and reason the, the truth um, together to come out and, and find out knowledge. So yeah, I don't see this uh, mass discrepancy. I think that God is... Uh, when it comes to epistemology and epistemic tools, uh, God gives us equal opportunity. My closing. Okay, is that uh, is That's that me then? Yep, you're up, bud. Okay. So.
first of all, um, David, I'd love to call it David's razor, the theological hand grenade, except um, <clears throat> we can't call it David's razor because it's been around a lot longer than that. It's just emotional blackmail. When you can't convince me that you have the truth, now, I read your book, then I read your commentaries, then I read your biblical dictionaries, then I read lexicons, and I learn another language, and, and in fact learn parts of multiple dead languages. And, and you still can't convince me. Then you say, well, yeah, right. So you read the Bible, that didn't do it for you. You memorized a bunch of stuff, that didn't do it for you. You learned a bunch of dead languages, that didn't do it for you. You read the commentaries, you read the dictionaries, you read the lexicons. You went to endless Bible studies. Well, now if you don't believe, God's going to screw you up. You can just forget it. I, I, don't, uh, I don't actually have any need to continue the conversation. And you can think of me. You can think of me as somehow uh, emotionally deficient. You can think of me as somehow intellectually dishonest. You can think whatever you want. But in the end, it's just emotional blackmail. That's the first thing. We spent some time in this conversation talking about hierarchy of knowledge, about how some beliefs were based on others. I want to encourage the listeners to reconsider the hierarchy of knowledge. And, and rather than thinking of it as a hierarchy, I want you to strongly consider the idea of a network of knowledge. Because what science has taught us is that being able to base our conclusions on multiple areas of study that overlap and confirm each other. The experimental method, our empirical understanding of the world around us, this thing we call science and reason, those are the tools that have given us the best glimpse into what our universe is and to what our shared destiny can be. And so I want to encourage you not to think that you have some special access to a kind of knowledge that, that uh, you know, maybe, you know, you got some helping hand from some supernatural power and it's just those poor other slobs that didn't manage to get it. We can do better than that. We have done better than that. Science is not an easy road. Learning science is not an easy road. But that just means that learning about our natural world is a tougher haul than we would like. But that network of knowledge is worth obtaining. And we did a good job of exploring the conflict in this show between science and any spiritual writing. And rather than rehash it, I'll just encourage you to listen carefully and rethink it. And I'll leave you with this final thought. I spent a lot of time reading the biblical map. It was supposed to be that map that led me to the territory that uh, would be either heaven or hell. I studied that map in great detail. I can tell you the names of the roads and the names of the towns and the names of the people that lived there. 
But here's what I never found. I never found the actual territory that made the claims of that map true. I read The Hobbit, too. At the beginning of many of those books, it has a, a beautiful map of Middle Earth. When I read The Hobbit, I didn't discover Middle Earth. And in the same way, when I read the Bible, I didn't discover heaven and hell. Thanks for listening. All right. Is it my turn now? Hello? Yep. You're okay. up, all right. Uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for hosting this. It was well done and well uh, crafted. Uh, I do. Well, I had a closing statement, but I just feel like I do need to say something that's important about what Andrew said. I don't think any Christian here thinks that you're dumb or like, or that you are you're uh, ill, like falsely, like you've read the Bible, but you're not just not doing it good enough, or you're being prideful or anything. We're just we're not saying any of that. We're not trying to emotionally blackmail you or trying to make you think that there's anything special about us because we are Christians and you're not. Like the fact that we're here and we're having this discussion kind of should be able to, you know, show you that we don't think that about anyone on the planet at all. Even if someone who says, I don't believe, I, I believe it's all garbage and I don't want to listen to any of it. Um, and this could be construed as emotional blackmail, but it isn't. Um, but what I'm saying is that, yes, you can read the Bible 10 times. You can get a PhD like Bert Ehrman on it. But what we're saying ultimately is, is that there are truths there that, that, that are possible you're missing. So, for instance, you said something about how um, uh, God, can save, God saves those people who are, uh, in a sense, more truthful to, their, um, to what they're reading or like they're being a real seeker. But like First Timothy one nine says, like you know, God saves people despite of what it is that they think th that's righteous about them. Um, so just to to wrap this up again, to bring it back uh, in context, epistemology, how we know what's true, it comes down to where, like, what's your starting point? Okay, is the universe has a certain like, is it is there a personal being behind that, or is it just random chance? Because ultimately, that's what that's what it comes down to. Is it that there was a force, be it what you call God, behind what we have today, or was it just, you know, natural means that brought about this universe, whether you want to call that quantum physics or quantum energy or whatever. Uh, but the goal is, where does the starting point start? Does, does the reality we have, the, the one we see, uh, does it look consistent with a reality where uh, providence and order and 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 things such as beauty make sense objectively and absolutely? Or is it one where there's a, a confluence of whatever happens and then we just have random accidents and then here we are talking about laws of logic. Uh, where do these laws of logic come from? Uh, do they just randomly, do they randomly arrange themselves to come about? So the reason we ask or we say, you read the Bible, that's, that's where you see the character of the God behind the universe is because that self-revelation of God is consistent with what we see in the universe. You may disagree, and the Bible says, of course you'll disagree. And we're not trying to emotionally blackmail you or say you're dumb or you're stupid or you're just too sinful and you can't get it. But what we are saying is this, that there is a sense in which 
someone can fail to uh, grasp spiritual truths or grasp what the Bible is teaching, despite how many times they've read it, because there's just something that they're missing, like essential parts about what the 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 message is. And you can say that's a cop out, but like that's a discussion you can have with someone, and and you can describe what you think the Bible says, and I can point out, well, actually, that's not what the Bible says, and we can have a discussion about that. But ultimately, it comes down to this personal being or random chance. Uh, and that's the starting point that each of us, like that's the presupposition that the atheist and the Christian have, right? Uh, who who started this whole process. And that's that's it. That's essentially where we differ. And if we differ in that, obviously we're going to differ on other important things. Um, so my hope here is for any atheist that's listening isn't that they think uh, we have special knowledge because we earned it by being upright and noble citizens. What we're saying is that all humanity um, has been endowed with this gift called rationality and reason and a conscience to know the difference between right and wrong. And that the only way to get uh, saved from that is to understand what the gospel is and the message of salvation so that we you are able to sort of in a sense achieve a higher uh level of existence of a higher level of purpose as opposed to what's currently going on so uh yeah thanks for this forum it was amazing and uh hope you guys have a great day <laughs> well thank you there mac uh i gotta say you are the mac you know that's that was great um Amen to you as well. I, uh, unlike you, though, I do think Andrew's dumb, and you know I would blackmail him to get a lot of money uh, if I could. Um, but no, I'm just joking. Uh, Andrew, I love you, man. You're awesome. Uh, thanks for you're uh, blackmailing even... the wrong guy for money. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, trying to take that back so that you can get money, you can get to work. Thanks, uh, thanks for helping me clarify stuff too, Andrew. That was that. That's great, David Johnson. You actually owe me a PB and J uh, sandwich when uh, Scotty gets the transporter fix there. So uh, there's that. Uh, Dale, again, it's always a pleasure. But we really need to get you caught up on the technology because I was trying to hand you stuff under the table there in another chat, but you did. You did. You to totally failed. I, I saw something come up saying <laughs> Dale, but I didn't know what to do with it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, guys, overall, uh, there's there's no uh, amount of things I could say uh, to even go into this topic to, to put in a short close. Uh, I see there's a great deal uh, to do with worldview. There's a lot of, of worldview infused in this in this uh, discussion. And, and um, I wrote, you, you know, down some stuff uh, – about it, but I'm going to leave it there. Uh, this is epistemology. This is epistemology, folks. Uh, Aristotle said, "All men, by their very nature, desire to know." Um, I, I agree with that. The skeptics think demonstrations will give them knowledge. Theists think there's more. But what justifies knowledge? Is there not? Is there knowledge? I believe there is. Uh, Harry Putnam, uh, in Reason, Truth, and History, says skepticism self-destructs. It's all about meaning. To undermine knowledge, the skeptic needs to use meaningful language to describe a scenario that might be reality. In other words, meaning isn't just in your head. Uh, 
for example, brains in a vat. That can't be if you actually understand the real, uh, unless you understand the real meaning of brains and vats. So there is a knowledge out there. I think it can be known. I do think there is a, a religious epistemology and there is a a general epistemology. I do agree with those things, and I think we can come to common ground on certain things. Uh, but I do believe presuppositions and worldview play heavily into it. I do believe that uh, the the Christian produced plenty of criteria, but it's just not sufficient enough for our skeptical friends. And that's where I'll leave it. Uh, I am a Christian, and I do think there's sufficient evidence for God. I do agree with Mac on uh, uh, coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I hope all the skeptics come to that point as well someday. So, in, in other words, I'll close with that. David Johnson, do we have uh, what's coming up next? I mean, talk a little bit about this next debate. Let me tell you what, time. who on this panel is not salivating for next week's uh, matchup with Marvin and Matthew? They got a lot. They got a lot to, to, to work up to. <laughs> I, I am not salivating for Marvin and Matthew. You know what? Uh, anyway. Uh, I, I am though, salivating for Marvin and Matthew. They are both beautiful men. I've res I reserved all my saliva for you, Andrew. <laughs> now we have officially gone off the rails. Uh, look, here's the thing. It's uh, both of delivering it, bro. Both of, both of the gentlemen who will be headlined next week uh, have their their own special personalities and ways about them and their own thought processes, and I think that they're unique and worth. Uh, listening to, um, and honestly, I have no idea how that conversation is uh, going to go, but I'm I'm most excited uh, about that uh, particular pairing. I would, however, say that I, you know, I'd love to see uh, a couple of other people join them next week. Now, you don't have to. It's going to be a great show next week. And I am inclined to invite Magatac back uh, for next week uh, because I feel like he had more to say um, than, uh, than he said. But that said, I'd love to get a couple of more Europeans in there. Uh, uh, hey, Sarah. Uh, how, how would you like to uh, jump in there? I know you're going to say no, but uh, I'm just going to ask right here on air. Um, love to love to see that. Hey, Tyler B., uh, there's no there's no World Cup going on right now. You could do this, buddy. Um, <laughs> come on in there. Um, I would I would love to uh, see how this plays out in a very different part of the world that has very different assumptions uh, and uh, very very different social uh, structures and expectations. I, I want to know if epistemology, the questions of epistemology, play out differently uh, there. And so, uh, if you were over there, maybe you're just a member of the audience. Maybe maybe you're part of the European audience, or uh, or maybe you're uh, expat European in America. That's okay. Write the show, skeptics and seekers at gmail.com. I think we can get you on at least for a little while on that show. It's going to be great. Um, the week after that, so I had some other panelists that I was going to invite, but I don't know if I will or not. Uh, so unless unless you get a surprise show, the week after next week, uh, it's going to be just me and uh, Brian, uh, the pair that usually does the uh, comment sections. We're going to do an after show of this series. And we're going to break it down and we're going to see 
what uh, we learned, what we can take away. I'm going to do um, uh, my best to see if I can't put together some kind of epistemological map from uh, the discussions that uh, we had, starting with the one that Russell and I had, starting with, uh, continuing with today's uh, discussion, going through Marvin and uh, Matthew. And let's see if we can't put together some kind of map uh, that that gets us to a place where we can show our work. Um, I That's going to be an interesting challenge. So uh, everybody uh, tune in. And if you have some comments about this show, uh, it's going to be on the same page as uh, the first one. So I'm not setting up a new page for this. So uh, epistemology part one, uh, I'm, I'm simply going to add uh, to the title uh, and two part one and two. So just scroll down and you'll see uh, the video and audio for this show and we'll continue the comments uh, under um, what we've already started, the skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. And uh, until next week, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.